I am Allison Lee, and you are listening to CraftCast. And on today's show, I'll be talking to Alan Revere, the founder and director of the Revere Academy of Jewelry Arts in San Francisco, California, as well as lots of other things to share with you. So let's get started. Show number 172. Starting the day again, oh yeah, letting the sun shine in, uh oh, I'm gonna dig within myself, uh oh. Life may be never what you think, but I think I'll just go with it and create something new. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome back to another week here from the CraftCast studio. It's me, your host, Allison Lee. Oh, sharing with you all things artistic, creative, crafty, fun, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, and I love sharing with all you guys and talking to you. And I was thinking about that just this morning before sitting down to do this show, how, uh, you know, we all have these dreams. I like to call them visions even more than dreams. And... For whatever reason, I wanted to share uh, the love of making things with people around the world since I was, oh, an eight-year-old. Oh, yes, when I was doing pen pals to everyone. And, uh, oh, it is so much fun to to really see that coming to fruition. Uh, you know, I've been loving every time I see someone who signs up for one of the live online classes or purchases a recording uh, from people around the world, from countries. It's just so joyous. You know, this week alone, I saw people purchasing from Moscow and Ireland and um, Italy and Spain and Luxembourg and lots from Great Britain and France and Canada and South Africa and it goes on and on. And, you know, that was my vision. <laughs> just goes to show, don't let your visions, your 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 dreams, your visions die. Just go for it. Because, um, you know, I believe we all have our, our thing we're supposed to do on the planet when we're here, no matter what. And um, I was pretty sure about mine. And, and so here we go. So thank you, all of you who are listening uh, from around the world. And now I can really even tell because you're sharing and, and purchasing the classes and we're all getting to learn all this great stuff. So love it. Just wanted to share that all with you, a virtual kiss and hug. So what else is going on? I have some books to share. All right. The first one, I wasn't going to do it. And then I thought, oh, fooey, I'm doing it because it's a little superfluous, but in a nice way, in a good way. Uh, and I'm trying I'm I'm being very uh, good about um, uh, how much sugar I consume. Oh, let me just put it all in a table here because I would prefer not to even bother eating vegetables and things. I'm just that kind of girl. What can I tell you? I'd be happy with um, bright colored Sour Patch treats and jelly beans and um, chocolate bars and <laughs> basically living in the game of Candyland. <laughs> I don't do it. Just saying, I'm, I'm good because I know I don't feel well if I just do that. But 
I'm trying to cut down and even lots more sugar uh, because, you know, I'm working hard, hard in the gym, you know, and it, if you really want to get all that hard work to show up, you have to sort of lose that last bit of fat on whatever. So the muscles show through. Anyway, I'm going to give it a try. So I've had to give up my sugar. So lo and behold, though, a book came in the mail for me to review called Sugarlicious. And hello, I can look at the sugar that I love. And so I want to share that one with you today. And it's called Sugarlicious by Megan Mountford. Uh, you can come to the Craftcast site for the uh, links. And here's the part I really love about it. Well, first, I can look at all the pictures of this fun sugar and not eat it uh, right now. Uh, I love cake pops. I also love Petty Fours, just saying. There's some cute ones in here, but I love the cookie pops and the cake pops. The um, I'm looking at one right now called Hyacinths. They're so cute on green sticks. And I love that concept of one or two bites. Here are the other flower cake pops. Um, I think it's such a good idea. I saw them actually at Starbucks. And my son turned me on to one called actually Birthday Cake. And it's like three bites, sort of the perfect amount. And now I also see they sell those little cute cake pop machines in like Bed Bath & Beyond where you can make these little round things and then you can just decorate them and they're fabulous. So <laughs> my excitement about sugar is showing. Uh, so the book is called Sugarlicious. It's very cute, especially if you're going to be doing, well, I always say for children, but frig adults love it too. But there's some very cute ideas and um, things that you can cut out to use stencils in the back and... Um, what can I tell you? I find it enjoyable. That's all I can say. So there you go. There's one book. Uh, another book is called, I love this. If you haven't looked into doing um, encaustic work with wax, it's really cool. Uh, this book is called The Encaustic Studio by Daniela Wolf, uh, a wax workshop in mixed media art, which is great. It does have a DVD attached with it. I have not watched the DVD. Uh, and, you know, the mixed media I love I just do. And now, because you could do a little piece of mixed media and then, you know, cover it with even more resin, set it in silver, you know, you have a piece of jewelry. Anyway, the mixed media with the wax layering is such a fascinating look uh, to add into your uh, mixed media work. Um, yeah, I'm looking at a page right now in this book where they've even dipped it in their fiber, their, their knitted and crocheted work into the wax too. It's just really cool. What can I tell you? There's lots of samples of ideas for textures. Uh, you know, you could do, you could take pictures of your finish and caustic work and turn it into Photoshop and have different textures that way. It's endless. The multi-mixture, everything is all I could say. Uh, but I love, I love this wax stuff. Wax-based pencils and crayons. It does happen to be one of my favorite for making art. So if you've been wondering about it or thinking about it and wanting to see more, The Encaustic Studio by Daniela Wolf. Again, you can come over to the Craftcast Studio to get the link. Uh, and in the fall, just so you know, I'm looking to expand Craftcast classes to include more arts, more medias, and um, Encaustic will be on the list. Just saying. Uh, so there are two books. I also have an app that I've been playing with that I'd like to share with all of you. Again, um, you know, Guess no surprise that I would be carrying around always with me some form of electronic equipment, no matter where I am. So I have my iPad with me. And let's say you just have those few minutes of downtime. Uh, so this is sort of a fun app to open, and it's called Doors, but with three 
D-O-O-O-R-S. Again, I'll have the link on the site. D-O-O-O-R-S. And the deal is, it's there's, I don't know, there's a lot of them, um, dozens. And you, you, you go to door number one. And the deal is to open the door. And there's just a few little props around and things you have to do. But the deal is get the door open, you walk through, the doorbell rings, you go to the next door. And, you know, they're not too hard. Some of them are a little hard, but it's sort of that perfect, um, sort of the visual equivalent if you're the kind of person that usually has tucked in your your bag or, or, or um, uh, suitcase or whatever, um, the crossword puzzle. And you take that out whenever you have that moment. This is the visual equivalent. I think it's sort of fun. <laughs> That's called doors. Oh yeah, I enjoy that kind of stuff. What can I tell you? Uh, so there we go. A few things, a few things for you to check out the links to. Uh, but now on to today's guest, Mr. Alan Revere, who I talked to many a moon ago, way back. Met him in in San Francisco. Actually, did a uh, um, interview with him a while back. But talk to him again. Now he has a book out. If you're a metalsmith into jewelry making, this is one of those must-have books. Just sort of have to have it in your library done. Just like Tim McCright's The Complete Metalsmith. Uh, it's called Professional Jewelry Making, Alan Revere. Again, I'll have the link on the site. It is just, it's sort of a coffee table book. It is a coffee table book. You know, it's just how to, from beginning to end, grow all of your metalsmithing techniques. And it's just, it's also one of those books, even if you're not, it's to look at and see how all this jewelry is made. Anyway, it's fascinating. So I wanted to talk to him again. So he's back today. Also, all of you that have been enjoying the new app, not the new app, but the app with the new bonus material, I should say. Um, today's bonus material from Alan, get the app. You know, the app costs, I think, two ninety nine, and you get all this great bonus material. It is so worth it through iTunes because uh, he shares also... Uh, you know, the behind, how to, how to get into um, a juried show, his advice for getting into a juried show or a competition. You got to hear it. Just saying. So that's part of the app. So go get that. Uh, but before we hear what Alan had to say, I have a song called To Be Free from um, a man named Kali, K-A-L-L-I. I enjoy his music. I'm just saying. I think it's pretty good. So I hope you all enjoy that. And then come on back and I'll be chit-chatting with Mr. Alan Revere. Dark and cold Driving out towards the sea The river hides inside of me And all I want is to be free I need an axe to break the ice I'm coming down, it's no surprise through the storm I see the distant lights I think of you and I close my eyes I drift away a thousand miles Until the morning comes Keep on pressing on Cutting through the night And the eye of the 
storm to the morning light. Still kept pressing on till I saw the sunrise, and it burned through my eyes into my mind. Dark and cold, driving out towards the sea. The river hides inside of me, and all I want is to be free. Until the morning comes, keep on pressing on, cutting through the night. Storm till the morning comes. Still kept pressing on till I saw the sunrise, and it burned through my eyes into my mind. Through my eyes into my mind. course i'm always excited when i have someone fun to talk to and i've already been laughing talking to my next guest before we started officially start our conversation uh but today i'm talking to alan revere who's the founder and director of the revere academy in san francisco he is a master goldsmith and award-winning jewelry design with all kinds of degrees and all kinds of stuff plus he's lots of fun alan thanks so much for coming on today Thanks, Allison. Thanks for inviting me. So let's talk about your school, because I always love it when people take on grand projects as I'm going to start a school. How does that, did it start by I'm going to teach one class one night and then a school came out of that? Or did you just start with a thought of, you know what, I'm going to open a school now? That's a good question. You know, it's been a long time. We just celebrated our 33rd anniversary. So, Congratulations. Thank you. So I've had I've had some time to think about this. You know, um, I guess I guess the truth is I've always taught things. As a, as a youngster, I taught swimming and diving, and then after I went to school in in Germany, uh, believe it or not, I I sketched out a school on a piece of paper See, while I was a I student. Yeah, mm-hmm. I sketched out some rooms, and you know, it and it kind of came to fruition. If you plant a seed and you know you cultivate it, it can happen. And you really, you saw it way back then. I guess I did, you know. Uh, when I came back to the United States, I worked for a few years and immediately started teaching a little bit, and then that grew into more teaching. So, yeah, I guess I, don't, I didn't think I had a grand plan of a 33-year-old school you didn't, with, yeah. uh, with thousands of students, but uh, I knew the direction I was going, yeah, at an early age. But it was an organic process, how the school sort of... Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the school started, when I came back from Germany, um, I worked in the jewelry industry here, and then I 
quickly was uh, found out that there was not much instruction around in the Bay Area, and people started coming to me who were already working in the jewelry industry, and they wanted instruction because I had learned some really cool stuff in Germany. So I started teaching privately in my own studio after about being here for about a year. And I started teaching at the California College of Arts and Crafts. I taught there for five years. And then I, I uh, rented a studio in uh, San Francisco in 1979, a small room in a jewelry building, and started teaching, and it just grew and grew. And uh, we've grown eight times physically. We now have a, the prime location on the ninth floor of this beautiful historic jewelry building in downtown San Francisco. And congratulations, so, 33 years, it's fun. Yeah, you know, who would have thought that? Who would have thought that? But now when someone came, no, I, I would think that actually, but when someone came to you back then and they wanted to learn privately from you, it's because you had some techniques they saw in your pieces and they were, I want to learn that? Well, yeah, I, I think that was it. Um, there was a lot of interest in that at that time. This was in the seventies. Okay. There was a resurgence of interest of interest in crafts. Right. Uh, the hippie generation, the baby boomers, wanted something to do with their hands that was significant, that was not involved with money, and so crafts and the arts became very popular. Jewelry was very popular, much more popular then than now because of the price of metal. Right. Uh, plus, there was a boom and. Baby boomers wanted more. They wanted their their marks of success and to support uh, their own. So I was I was the recipient of large amounts of money by making jewelry for people. Um, I had a company with ten people manufacturing my designs, and I was showing at craft fairs around the country and selling to hundreds of jewelry stores at the time. And um, and so it, that was going on at the same time that the school was evolving. Right. You know what you just said? I started thinking um, that time period for crafts and how that was emerging. What do you think about today's craft time period? Like, how is it different? Do you see that happening again that way? Because I was getting all sort of nostalgic when you said that. You know, there is, a, there is, there is some, something similar going on now. How so? There was, well, there was a period of time in the 70s. You know, that I, I rode the wave of, and many of my friends, through the crafts fairs, and then into galleries and museums and like that. And, and it was kind of a new, there was a new resurgence of interest, of techniques. And I see that happening now. You um, do? Okay. Yeah, I do. I, I see it's different. Um, it's different people making maybe different stuff, but it's the same motivation, the same passion. You think yeah. so? And do you think it still is prominent with the male populace? Because who was I talking to? Oh, Bruce Metcalf uh, and his wonderful book on the age of craft and all of that. But just it's not as popular with the male. Well, there's certainly, I, you know, I, I certainly have observed and I can attest to the fact that our student profile has changed. It has. Uh, okay. 30 years ago, we were training um, many young men to enter the jewelry field as a profession. Right. And uh, it was, I would say, 80% of our students were male. Um, most of our teachers were male. Now, it's flipped around completely. 80 or 90% are women. And, uh, and we don't get that many men um, because not many men are entering this as a career. Uh, times have changed. Things for, there's a lot of factors. 
for one, women are liberated and there's nothing holding them back from things that in the past yeah, yeah. might have seemed like obstacles. So, But yeah, yeah, I, I sort of see that same thing. I mean, it's just sort of interesting to watch that whole transition yeah. of how it's changed from from certainly the 60s that way, and it makes sense. And you were, of course, classically trained. We're not talking about um, making jewelry. I mean, in the way that is the uh, classic goldsmith training. Well, I, I was lucky. I after after, uh, after college, I thought I was going to go to law school, and uh, I was saving up money to go to law school by driving a taxi in New York. Wow! And, uh, <laughs> and somebody gave me a ride to Woodstock. Where there was a huge festival going on, and wait a minute, it, someone wanted a ride to Woodstock. No, in your somebody, ga- somebody gave me a ride. Oh, okay, okay. To, to to Woodstock, and I went to Woodstock after driving my taxi for the summer. Right. And it was the summer of 1969, and it was at Woodstock that you know I just, I took a, a sharp left turn. I no law school. Uh, uh-uh, I don't think so. I love um, it. I wanted to be an artist. There was there was art in my blood, and passion in my veins and uh, law didn't seem like the right uh, right thing to do so I got in a Volkswagen bus and drove to Mexico of course you did wait yep. I think I know this movie <laughs> yeah yeah it's played it's been, um, and I wound up in San Miguel de Allende where I went and got a, a master of fine arts degree in crafts and uh, during that time I was introduced to, to jewelry making by uh Enrique Lopez, who was a tinsmith, and uh, I had a great time. It was it was a wonderful time for me to explore my creativity in metal and to get started. And, wow! Uh, yeah, that was a quick switch. Yeah, it was, and it was very easy and, and a lot of fun. Not to mention, it was a great time to be in Mexico. Yeah, 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 yeah. And once you made that switch, you said you never went back. You never thought. No. Yeah, that I was never, it. No, you no. knew. No, all my friends are lawyers now. I, I just, I think, gosh, you know, I wish you had gone to Woodstock too. I love that. That is so. Yeah, the the other fallout parts of Woodstock. It's very interesting to hear that. It's very interesting. It was definitely a pivotal moment for me, and, and I think for my generation. I Absolutely. think I'm very typical of my generation. After uh, after Mexico, I ran at the end of my time in Mexico. I, I met Harold O'Connor, who's a very prominent metalsmith. And uh, he had just been in Germany, and he gave me private lessons. He was really my first very serious teacher. I, I give homage to him today. He's in uh, Colorado working right now at the bench, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he told me about Fortsheim. So I went to Fortsheim where I did receive a very classical training. Right. Uh, I, I, my class schedule was 45 hours of class time a week. We, we had class on Saturdays, and I studied things like... Uh, engraving, design, goldsmithing, stone setting, um, production techniques in a town that had been dominated by jewelers for for two hundred years, and and there were literally thousands of jewelry companies and several schools, and so I was it was total immersion. Right. Oh, I love total immersion. It's always fun. Yeah. To get involved that way, and then you set up your academy. And the same feeling of that in Germany, correct? With the classical training for all those areas you just mentioned? To, to whatever extent possible. Right. In a different culture, in a different time. Right. Yes. Right. That was a full program. I think each semester was 18 weeks. And, uh, you know, there was... It, it, but, but that won't work here. So our program 
is three-day classes. We have a lot of three-day classes. So somebody from anywhere in the country can leave work on a Thursday afternoon, get on an airplane, be here Friday morning, and go home Sunday night and get back to work. So, Oh, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. It, it's much easier and short segments, um, uh, unless you're really young and you have a lot of time, it doesn't work for most people. Right, right. What's the thing that's the hardest for people mentally to get through in a class that's classical? Is there um, one particular area that is only for the hardcore that can handle it? You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, I, I never never thought about it that way. I think engraving, hand engraving. engraving. Okay. It's, uh, it requires such fine motor control, and the tool has to be just perfect. And, uh, and we teach that. We, that. I teach that during our stone-setting right. classes and during the intensive. Right. Um, but it's a lot of fun, engraving, because it enables you to do things like sign your name. Sure. Put on all kinds of monograms and patterns and things like that. Oh, I think it's worth trying all the different things, but you quickly know, I know I studied granulation, and I did it. And when I was done, I knew I wasn't going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, everything everything is for a different kind of personality. Exactly. Granulation exactly. requires extreme patience. Oh, yeah. Very fine. Oh, yeah. Moving those little granules, bringing them from oh, yeah. one place to another, it's... I'm sweating as you're saying it. And I was, I, it was, I did it, I was good, and then I was just done. It was that yeah, you had yeah, to really yeah, go yeah, to that yeah, place. So yeah, it isn't for yeah. everyone. Yeah, <laughs> so. but it's nice to know that technique and know how it yes. works. And then it becomes part of your vocabulary. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You, you, can, you can perhaps even, you know, use that technique in a different way since you know how it works. I agree. Uh, but I also agree with people are not when i went to kulik academy you had to take everything just like you were saying and yeah. i don't think that flies today exactly what you were saying i mean you know i don't think don't, i, I, well, I don't think a, we have as much patience as we used people used to have well that's a good question now, who, who drives who drives instruction the teacher or the or the student well you hopefully that people would show up i think that is a good question what do you think well um, from my perspective i'm hoping it's the instructor yeah, because yeah. Uh, when I'm in a class and the students or a student thinks that the instruction isn't right or they want to do something different or they there's something contrary, it doesn't go very well. So, right. from my perspective, both as a longtime student and as an instructor, I defer to the teacher whatever they have to offer. Yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree. You're there to learn their expertise, and you yeah. told me we're going to talk about your book in one second. But you told me you're also taking classes yourself now. I always take classes. I, I think that's it's a commitment that I made to myself long ago, that I would forever be a student in actuality, not just you know wandering through life thinking I'm a student. Because? I need the stimulation. Yeah. I need to feel fresh. I need to get new juice. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and, and, it's, and I've taken classes in all kinds of things. You know, that some of them are fringing on the arts, like a... Jewelers don't know much about color, generally. We have two colors. we got gold and silver. Okay. And some stones. So I took a class on color so I could understand color. And uh, color theory, you mean? Yeah, color theory. Yeah, right, it was a long, right. long academic class. Right. It was great. Yeah, that is. That's pretty um, fun. And what I do you... Rec- go yeah, ahead. And you're recently what? I, wanted to I, recently, I recently took a class at Esalen, Esalen Institute. Oh, right. That's right. Oh, you said that right. That fabulous place. What did you take there? Blacksmithing. Oh, you did. <gasps> Blacksmithing at Esalen. Esalen. Esalen is known as kind of a spiritual 
center. It's the most beautiful place in the country that I've ever seen. It's on the coast of California. And I, I did this great workshop. It, actually, the workshop was okay, but I got a lot out of it. I, it engaged me. I turned on, and I just started banging on metal and twisting metal and doing things I'd never done before on a bigger scale with bigger metal. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It was great. And then you got to go in the hot tubs at night. (laughs) That's right. Soak it off, right? I have to say, I'm sort of surprised, knowing, having stayed at Esalen a billion years ago, that blacksmithing would be something that they would teach there. It just seems, right, contrary to the whole environment. (laughs) I know, but then, you know, every night, we'd bang metal every day, and then all night, we'd uh, do ecstatic dancing and, you know, meditation and things like that, so... It was uh, it was very wonderful. I'll have to put a, a link on the site so people yes. who are listening. Esalen is in Big, just on the edge of Big Sur, and it's an amazing uh, facility that basically hangs off the cliff, going over into the Pacific Ocean. Yes. and um, there are hot tubs at night that literally you are hanging over the cliff there and looking, and it's pretty amazing to do that. Yes. Yeah, yes, they offer a bunch of art classes. I, I did a drawing class there too, and. They have painting and sculpture. So uh, people don't realize that. But it's a great place to, to it's a wonderful hang place. out. Did you go to Nepenthes? Did you go to the bar down? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. And the Phoenix shop. Oh, now I'm really getting homesick there. I love that. That's one of my favorite places. Well, it's, you know, I have to, it, it's really, it's the most spectacular place that I've seen in the United States. I, like, that's good to hear. I love it too there. The first time I ever ended up at the bar at Nepenthe, I thought, this is California. I think I was probably right. 19, and it was like, this is California. Yes, yes, it really is. Yeah, it really it's is. pretty spectacular. All right, let me get out of my, my daydreaming, California dreaming. Um, but back to what I want to talk about is your book, Professional Jewelry Making, A Contemporary Guide to Traditional Jewelry Techniques. Hello, and it weighs how many pounds? I think four. Yeah, at least. Four pounds, yeah. I think. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's good for working out in the morning, you know. It is. It's one of those books that you used to carry around, you know, going to college in your backpack mm-hmm. um, that's pretty weighty. But yeah. besides that, it is fabulous. I've told you this. I enjoy it. It's beautiful. I know it's done by Tim McCright's publishing company as well, who yes. always does beautiful books to boot. Uh, and it is, um, I'm going to brag about first a little bit how much I've enjoyed it. It is got projects that are exquisite and instructions to follow and I think that um, I know I told you I've picked out a project I'm going to try but I know you have it set up I believe for becoming like start at the beginning and at the end you'll know what you're doing in metal well the book is, is laid out very logically and uh, it has a lot of it's a, it's a, Tim did a great job it was a, it was a really good book before now it's a, it's a really beautiful good book he knows how to do it doesn't he he does, and he's, yeah. he's wonderful to work with. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what I like about the book, uh, a few things. The, the table of contents is visual. There's a visual table of contents with thumbnails of all the projects. So you can quickly right. see. That's, is, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, of course. That's a brilliant idea for us and visual so if people. You, if, if you follow along, one, two, three, you see the projects get more difficult. That each project is uh, slightly more difficult based on the skills that are used in the project before. So it's sequential. It's a program uh, designed for somebody who could conceivably be on their own in the wilderness and just follow step-by-step each project, one after the other. Oh, thank God I've picked Project 12 and not 35 is all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) 12, oh, well, that's 12. You know, each one, and each one has something interesting about it. So 
12 is about foraging. It's the foraged ring. Right, right. And, uh, and, and each one ties into an old tool, too. So at the beginning of each chapter, there's a, a photograph of an old tool, and, the, and that, a current version of that tool is used in the project. How much do you love tools? I really love tools. Yeah. A lot, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, but, it is. It's part of the romance and the love of the whole thing, don't you think? Yeah, yeah you have to love your tools. I mean, if you create... If you love your tools, you will love the things that you create with them. And if you love the things you create, then you have to love your tools. Very good point. And you know what Tim really did teach me is that you can change your tools. Just because you bought it that way, you can make your own or you can change it. It doesn't mean you have to keep it exactly, you know, which, of course, is a no-brainer. But when he said that, I'm like, oh, yeah. permission to change your tools to how you want it. You know, I'm an old tool changer from way back. I change everything. You know, and the people around me, it drives them crazy. But I have to make things mine, whether it's, uh, you know, taking the varnish off of a handle because I want to feel the wood or stripping the rubber off of a pair of pliers because I want to feel the metal or adapting, sanding, filing. It's just part of uh, making a connection to this tool. So, yes, you, you, you have the right, the privilege, and the obligation to both maintain your tools, but also, you know, yeah, adapt maintain. them. Everyone listening, so you just got permission to change your tools. I mean, I really, of course it makes sense, but I really didn't think about it until Tim said that. I was like, oh, yes. right, it's my tool now. I should. And he also said, you know, that's how you make your unique work is by a unique tool. Otherwise, you're using the same tool as everyone else. And I was like, oh, you are so that's smart. Interesting. That's way. interesting. That's like, saying, that's like saying, well, if you're using a pencil and you're not writing anything original because other people have used pencils before. I'm not oh, sure. Well, I don't know about that. I don't think we can carry it that far. <laughs> but I did like what he said that it made it more unique. You made the yes. tool unique. Oh, so. Definitely. If, you, if you're making your own tools and you leave the mark of those tools. Right. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. So if this was a labor of love, your book, but you finished it. You got yeah. through it. Yeah. And you're thrilled with it. Yeah, it's over. It's done. <laughs> it's years and years of work. Well, it started out as articles for JCK Magazine. In the early 80s. Wait, what was that? What is that called now, that magazine? Is that jewelry? It's still called JCK. Jewelers, okay, JCK, right, okay. Jewelers Circular Keystone. It's okay. the oldest, oldest jewelry magazine in the country. And this was originally uh, written as um, um, short segments, as each article was a project. It was published one by one. And then uh, it just evolved. And But it's the reason it's, I think, you know, I'm looking through the book. It's Me too. A, it, it's the photography I mean, oh, that's yeah, what, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's what I look at. Barry Blau's photography is just spectacular. No, it's excellent. It and, pulls you right in. Yeah, and the close-ups. You know, I've looked at a lot of jewelry books. I have a lot of jewelry books. And and um, I, I, what I like about this book is that it's real. And it's not just sketches, and it's not somebody's idea of what they might want to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, everything is documented, and you can see it, and you can see all the flaws, and you can see all the... All the irregularities. But we are. know it'll work if we follow the instructions, correct? Yes. So with the, how do you see, like, with the price of gold, the way it's gone, how, do, how has that affected, um, well, the price of metal, period, but especially gold, um, how has that affected how people design and work? How do you see that? Well, you know, uh, I, I've thought about this because I'm just old enough that when I started, gold was still at a low price. But do, what was the lowest price you remember? $37. My girlfriend and I were working the other day, and we went into this, and the lowest we could remember was 300 Yeah. 
when I started, it was $37. Within a year, gold was freed up and started to climb right away. $37 and an ounce, okay. <laughs> when it hit $60 an ounce, yeah. the, the man who I was working with threw up his hands and he said, that's it. He said, nobody's going to buy gold jewelry anymore at $60 an ounce. I don't even look anymore today. What is it? Is it like fifteen hundred today or something? Uh, it's about sixteen sixty right now. Yeah. Okay. And silver, by the way, I checked was a dollar seventy five an ounce when I started, and now it's around thirty three. So that's changed things. That has changed things. And, and it's a shame. And anybody who, who knows these metals and loves working with them, it's it's it, it's it's saddening. Because these yes. are just my materials, just like paint or yeah. crayons. And now they're so dear, so expensive that, you know, it's kind of, as careful as we used to be, we have to be 16 times more careful about scrap right now. Yes, and not so many people are going to see what it's like to work with gold. We did a demo here the other night for very beginner students who are just learning the yeah. very beginning. And someone was actually doing gold uh, melting, and so they all got to watch. I said, enjoy this, because this is a treat to watch yes, what's yes, going on. Not everyone's going to get to see it. So yeah. that's... But how do you see... How has it affected things creatively? What do you see that's happened? Well, I think creativity is not affected by the price of gold, luckily. Okay. And people um, are finding new ways to be creative. You know, right. there's new materials. Um, you, know, you know, precious metal clay enables people to uh, experiment with silver in, a, in an easier way. Yeah. Um, I think we're gonna we're seeing less gold jewelry, but you know, gold will always be there. Um, it'll I think it'll be used more as accents and right. for settings, and silver will become more prominent. I think we're seeing that, and other materials too. Well, do you see copper? Being used more? Sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But it's not quite the same jewelry. I mean, no, a, nope, it's not. a woman's not going to wear copper with diamonds, you know, to, to the opera. You never know. It's true. You're right. Everything is changing. Yep. All the time. Yep. So I shouldn't say never. Nope. Because I love that um, yes. copper and the different things are coming out that way and steel yes. and all of that. Because you're right. Create, you're right. You find something else you can do. Yes. Yeah. It's, so it's a very good thing. So now, what's up next for you? Well, let's see. I'm just finishing a project. I'm working on my ICE project. Uh, I'm part of a group, the American Jewelry Design Council, and every year we pick a theme, and this year's theme is ICE, and I'm working on what I think is a very cool piece. It's a ring? It, well, you know, it started out as a ring, but it's now a ring or a, uh, an, a pendant. Okay. It's it's basically um, a variation on ice tongs, those those kind of clamping, Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ripping scissor-like things. And uh, what I've got is a large anhydro quartz. That's quartz that has a water trapped inside. Oh, that makes me swoon. <laughs> and it's got a bubble, and it's got oh. sand. And, and as you turn the stone, you see all this movement that's been trapped there and frozen there. So oh, I love ice. that. I, I yeah. actually love stones more than anything. A stone's like that. They yes. really just freak me out. Okay, really? so it, yes. yeah, it's just a wonderful thing. So now you're going to use that. Well, that makes sense. That sort of sounds like ice. What you're talking about? Yeah, it's a water that's been frozen in time. How big a piece is it? It's big. The, uh, the it's about oh, it's most of an inch. The stone, I would say, uh, oh. three quarters of an inch. Love. Big chunk of it. Love. Yeah. So is so you're working on that. 
That's, yes. That could take quite a bit of time. And then do you have anything in your, um, when we talked about, as you saw with your school, any visions still going on, any other little drawings you're thinking still next in life? Well, we're always looking at new classes, and we're, we're thinking of ways to expand and, and meet the ever-changing market. Um, we're going to be having a, a class next year. With uh, We're getting ready for our master's symposium next year. We're going to have Michael Good. Michael Zobel will be coming. Uh, we have a whole slew of very high-end, very competent, world-class masters who are going to be coming. I know Michael Good's work. I love his work. I don't know the other person you just said, so I should look them up. Yes, Michael Zobel, Z-O-E-B-E-L. He, he's a, a Swiss... Um, master goldsmith who studied with me in Fortsheim and makes beautiful jewelry by fusing and melting and incorporating stones in kind of a crude way. You mm-hmm. need to see it. Beautiful stuff. I love that kind of work. Yeah, the world of jewelry is so big. There's, you know, everything from wire wrapping to yeah, gems. Yeah, yeah. And it's, 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 and, and that's what I love about it. Me too. Me too. It's endless. And then it's all organic and you have stones to play with and the whole mass is just all a good time, I say. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> There's nothing to complain about. Well, I'm excited to um, try one of your projects in your book. Um, let me tell everyone the name of that again so they can check it out. Plus, the link will be on the CraftCast site. It's Professional Jewelry Making is the way to look it up by Mr. Alan Revere. Um, you will definitely enjoy it. It's one of those new books to add um, to your Bible. I always say to students, um, Tim's book... The Complete Goldsmith, I love that, of course, is a must-have, and I think this belongs right next to it as um, a great way to learn all about metalsmithing in the most classical, traditional way. So thank you for coming on and chatting with me. Well, it's been a pleasure, Allison. It's always fun to talk. Really, you ask the greatest questions. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just nosy, that's all it is. (laughs) Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that. I love talking to Alan. And I love the school. If you're in that area in San Francisco, you should go up, check it out. Really, really, really great. Uh, and all of you who already have the app for your iPad or your iPhone or your um, Droid, uh, definitely listen to that material. He talks about uh, best advice for how to get into a juried show or a competition. So enjoy. And then for today's ET entertaining thought section of the show today, um, I have been, um, if you follow the blog or you're on, um, if you don't get the newsletter, sign up over at the CraftCast site. Uh, I've been putting out some information each week that's been getting a lot of feedback and uh, on ways to get back in your studio. You know, you know how you keep seeing tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. So how to break through those tomorrows. So just one of the things. You can go read the blog of of all kinds of ideas. But just one of the things I wanted to uh, talk about today briefly is the need for just scheduling playtime where you don't have to get any results, you know, like when you went in and did finger painting when you were a little kid, Uh, that so many people that I talk to, they don't give themselves the opportunity to just go in and have a play date. You know, I love scheduling play dates with friends. It's uh, in the studio. You know, it's just important to go in without expecting a result and play, you know, just play with a new material, Uh, maybe go finger paint. It's anything to just get yourself back into the creative flow without putting the pressure on yourself that you have to have something on the end for sale or that is, you know, needs to be photographed or, you know, all of that, Um, that, that brain set alone will keep you from walking in the door. 
you know, think like a little kid, it's recess. They don't, they don't think, oh, but what am I going to do at recess <laughs> before they go out? They just go out screaming <laughs> wild and just start playing without any results. So give yourself that, give yourself that. Uh, and you can check out more ideas like that over on the blog. Uh, just or sign up for the newsletter. So I just wanted to share that all with you this week. You know I love hearing from you. Uh, you know there's great live classes, lots of new recordings for sale. Uh, so make sure you come take a look at all that because uh, don't miss some of these great classes. We have one coming up this week, which would be today is the 22nd, 25th, Wednesday, April 25th, live with Ms. Celia Fago. If you're into metal clay, this is it. This is the class you got to be at. Uh, there are lots of you coming, and I know there's going to be even more signing up before then. So check that out. Uh, but also, you can give, send me a note, uh, Allison at craftcast.com, or you can leave me a voicemail at 877-819-1859. Not always a voicemail. Sometimes I'm there to pick that phone up as well. So you know how much I love hanging out with you. Thank you so much for listening, and you know what I have to say till we meet again. Get your butt in the chair and keep crafting. Just get yourself right into your chair. Come on, listen. You can learn to create something new. It starts inside you.